Think about a time you've come across someone who possesses something special. Imagine taking ordinary topics and viewing them through their lens. Welcome to Success Shorts, insights that challenge us to be extraordinary. Let's go. I'm Aurel Chanel, and today I'm joined by Tara Schuster. Tara is the former vice president of talent and development at Comedy Central, where she used to be the executive in charge of the Emmy award-winning Key and Peele, which is very cool. But now she's the author of a truly wonderful slash inspiring slash useful book called Buy Yourself the Fucking Lilies, which is way cooler. Tara, it's a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. And I really enjoyed the conversation that we had a couple of weeks back. It was nice to kind of get to know some different perspective about you besides just what I read in the book. And the book is super inspiring. So I know that we're going to have a lot of fun over the next few minutes. But first, before we get into all that, I wanted to have fun getting to know more about you. So are you ready for two truths and a lie? I sure am. All right. Let's hear what you got for me. Okay. So it's been a while since I've played two truths and a lie, but I think I remember the rules. Okay, Keegan and Jordan shouted me out in their Emmy acceptance speech for best sketch series. Those are like creators of Ken Peel. That's one. I am a world-class spelling bee champion. That's two. And three, in the quarantine, I've been training for a virtual 10K in very heavy training. All of those seem like they could be true. So you are a really good liar in one of these cases. <laughs> I'm going to say that the key and peel part is true. Yes, that is true. And that you are training for a virtual 10K. Yes, you got it. However, I am truly horrible at spelling. Never going to win an award. Nobody's ever going to pat me on the back. It's Well, luckily we have spell check for that. <laughs> I think you're going to yeah. be okay. <laughs> I think so too. I got through a whole book without really needing to know how to spell. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know what? Now that you put it that way, it makes it even more impressive. Uh, <laughs> but after reading your book, I've completely begun to appreciate your story. And that's the direction that I'd love to go next. You've had this drive and desire to pursue your dreams, but also you've really had this urge to be persistent when it came to developing yourself and becoming the person internally that you've always wanted to be and be happier. So when you think about that, what was it about where you were and where you wanted to be that made you want to be so persistent and fervent towards getting to it? I would love to say that I had some superhuman bout of inspiration for how I was going to be happier and find a purpose in my life. But really, it was just necessity. Growing up in a neglected household where things came to die, the plants, the pets, a family of deer wandered into our lap pool and drowned. It was just constant chaos. By the time I was 25, I realized if I didn't learn how to take care of myself, if I didn't pursue getting to know who I was and, and how I wanted my life to unfold, then I wasn't going to have much of a life at all. So for me, the drive was to survive in a way that I could enjoy my life. And it was pretty instinctual. Like it came from just that survival instinct, really. 
And I think also having seen that my parents were not terribly self-aware people. I don't think any parents set out to neglect their children, but they were pretty out of touch with themselves. And so that sort of survivor instinct coupled with seeing what it would look like to be unself-aware, those two things together gave me a lot of drive to figure my shit out. Your story is very relatable for me. And I think that's the beauty of what you go into with the book is the fact that it's relatable for so many people. We're born with our parents and for better or worse, they're our parents. And we thank them for the good that they've done, but we also have to carry some of what they weren't great at. And I had the same type of thing that I had to go through as well. However, eventually you get to the point where you can take ownership in that. So to hear what you just said, it's wonderful that you did that. And I'm proud of you for doing that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think one of the things that I hear the most about the book is how relatable it is. And I think that's because even if you didn't grow up in a neglected house, we all have shades of needing to learn how to take care of ourselves because our it's not like our parents were given a manual. So I think the universal thing is there are all these holes where we need nurturing and continue to need nurturing throughout our lives. I chose to own it, to say, well, okay, that exists. I can't go back and change it. So now how can I fill in the blanks? And that's something that I think, even if you came from a house where your parents nurtured the shit out of you, there's always little parts where we can learn how to better take care of ourselves. And that's where it really serves us to give our parents a level of grace and to give ourselves a level of grace for not necessarily getting it right. When you think about all the work that you have put in over the last few years. And as you're writing the book, you're reflecting and you're doing even more work. How would you say that that's impacted you to make different strides in what you were pursuing in your life? Because it's obviously changed you significantly. The more I've written and the more I've come into contact with readers, I think there's a challenge that my life is asking of me, which is, can I be more in alignment? And can I serve more? I've heard all the people I admire the most. The thing I most hear is that they're in pursuit of serving other people. And when I used to hear that, I'd get bummed out. I was like, ugh, like, what does that even mean? And like, that's too woo-woo for me. But little by little, I've seen just what power comes from If you kind of like flip the narrative and it's not, I need to get to first place now and I need to win and get the promotion and have the right office. But instead, when you ask, how can I help my colleagues? How can I help this team? How do I add value? Which I think is not something that is asked enough. I've worked in a corporate environment my entire life. But what I'd hear from and often younger people, even younger millennials than me, would be something like, I deserve this next promotion, or why can't I grow, or why can't I get an assistant? And my question was always, what value do you bring to this team? What value do you bring to the project? Because when we can identify how we add, we become a part of a a much bigger victory and and something a, a lot more powerful. So I think for me, I think there's a chance that I go back to being an executive. I'm kind of taking this moment to see what I want to do next. And I'm lucky to be working on a second book. (laughs) And I've decided I just can't have two full-time jobs again for this book. That was a little much. But 
what I see is that no matter what, I want to be a really good team player and that adding value to a team is always the way that I get ahead even more. So I know that's a little counterintuitive that in doing all this work on myself, what I've actually found is that the more I contribute to the team, the better off we all are. I don't know if that's necessarily counterintuitive, but when I think about my professional side, a lot of times there is that work that you feel doesn't add value and it, and it kind of slaps you in the face and you know when you're doing it and it, right. and it, that's the kind of stuff that feels tedious and it doesn't feel genuine. However, once you start to try to flip your mindset and almost look for the value in what you're doing, you can start to see it even in the menial tasks. And, you know, this is something you hit on in the book when you were talking about the coffee maker <laughs> with uh, John Stewart, you know, mm -hmm. that was actually adding value to his life. That was you being a team player. It was very menial, but you did it anyway, because it felt right. And you saw the value that it was doing, because here you have John Stewart, really important show and what he was pioneering. And you were contributing to it in a way. So if you can kind of reframe it, there's something powerful in that. Yeah, that's absolutely what I'm saying is the little small things contributing to your team equal the much bigger things. And it's so cliche when people say it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about the process, not the final product. I think if we can get our process down to be really awesome, you know, like the process of the daily show is so rigorous and incredible to witness at a, you know, critical juncture in my own career. But if we can make the process inclusive of the whole team where everybody is contributing, the whole team can grow by leaps and bounds. Like then we're unfettered and can achieve momentous things. It was the same thing on working on Key and Peele. Keegan and Jordan are geniuses. I don't use that word lightly, but they're the real deal genius. But that's not what made Key and Peele as amazing as it was. What made it truly a unique and special show was that every department and every single person in every department gave it their utter excellence. That process is what built those amazing sketches. And Keegan and Jordan were really intentional about making everyone feel valued and making it a safe place to make artistic choices. So yeah, just in my career, really what I've seen is the more we make it acceptable for like the whole team to look at how can they add value to the process, usually you have much better outcomes. That's really cool to hear how they created that safe space. And it is important for teams to feel that in order to flourish. But I want to bring it back to you for a minute. Yeah. So you've gone through this momentous process. And how are you feeling like you're moving towards being happier through all this? That's an interesting question. I think sometimes it's a trap when that's what we pursue is how am I going to be happier? My real question is how do I add value? How am I living in service? And that typically just makes me happier. Like happiness is a byproduct of being in alignment with what you actually enjoy about your life. And so more and more, I do things I actually enjoy and not the things I think I should enjoy. In Hollywood, there's quote unquote, like fun parties and very social things and some things I enjoy. But I'm learning to say no to the things that I don't enjoy and to the aspects of entertainment that I not only really don't like doing, but don't really add much value. 
and instead focusing on my time on the places where I add tremendous value and where I'm a unique voice. And so I think if we pursue the things that we are really good at and uniquely suited to do and can add something to the universe, not just pump out garbage, which unfortunately so much of my industry is just completely disposable. When we do that, then happiness is a natural byproduct because we feel fulfilled. We feel like we're pursuing our purpose. We feel like we are doing something for the greater good. And so that's how I'm sort of approaching happiness. I love that. And what you added at the end about pursuing your strengths and really stepping into those, that's pretty much the definition of flourishing. And flourishing leads to happiness. So there is some really wonderful wisdom there. You speak a lot about rituals throughout your book, and I think that's super important because you get into habits then. What would you say are one or two of those that we can leave the listener with that can help them to progress towards their own personal happiness? One of the biggest for me was developing a journaling practice. Initially, I was extremely hesitant to write in a journal. I thought journals were for broken narcissists and people who thought they were too important. But because I wanted to change my life and because I was willing to try on any advice I heard, I said, okay, fuck it. I'm going to try journaling and see if this makes me any happier, any more stable, if, if this has any effect on my life. And honestly, journaling has gotten me in touch with my like innermost thoughts. I call it DMing with your soul. In your journal, you can find out what stories are you telling yourself? What lies are you telling yourself? What's yearning within you at, at that moment? It also is claiming space for yourself. And it's a way of saying, I have a voice and I have a story. And more than anything, it builds self-awareness. And self-awareness is the key to any higher pursuit that you want. The idea of like self-actualization and growing, all those kinds of things, they really only come when you understand what's going on in your head. So I think journaling, a consistent journaling practice, for me, three pages of freehand journaling every day has changed the course of my life. Thanks for sharing that. And I agree. Journaling is a great practice. I did it for a while. And unfortunately, I have given it up. But who knows, I might go back to it at some point. And to kind of bring things to a close, you have this really incredible story, and we all have incredible stories, but the key to yours is you were willing to be vulnerable in writing your book and going out there and getting it out there. So through your vulnerability, it's actually been quite provocative for us. You know, it allows us to think about things that have to do with us internally. And I want to quote your buddy, Jordan. It's, I'm a true believer in story. I think when you just tell people to think, People tend to get resistant and defensive and feel like you're accusing them of not thinking. And in listening to you today and in reading your book, you made me comfortable and you made me want to hear your story. And because of that, I'm going to continue my own introspection. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for joining us. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. I actually had never heard that Jordan quote, but it, of course, he's so right. But thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, most definitely. And that's all we have for this episode of Success Shorts. Hopefully you found today's topic useful. And remember, have fun, stay curious, and keep it short. Mm -hmm.